turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing on this Thursday? Good. Got the, the day off tomorrow. Looking forward to that. A little reflection on the markets and the market action. I'm good. Um, but let's talk tech. Uh, Tesla. Model 3 is in the news, and it's it seems like it's a long way off. I know the year's going by fast, but uh, pre-ordering is now open for business, per se. Yeah, uh, next week uh, you'll be able to actually put down a $1,000 deposit um, for the Model 3 as soon as it's unveiled to the masses. Um, and then, you know, you'll eventually get your car to the latter part of 2017, Um but there are a couple of tricks that, you know, Tesla's come out and said, you know, if you want your car faster, and that's basically buy a Model S or a Model X. So if you have, you know, between seventy dollars and $140,000 just laying around, um, then you can go get your Model 3 faster than everybody else. But, um, you know, you'll still have to wait, you know, close to, you know, 18 months or so um, for the car to come out. And then, you know, we don't even really know what it looks like just yet. Some people speculate that, you know, it's a little bit smaller version of a Model S could be a radically different redesign. Nobody really knows. They've kept everything uh, under wraps, but we'll find out next week. Do you remember a couple of years ago, uh, Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, and I, I don't own a Tesla, and I don't have friends who own a Tesla, so I don't really have touch with this in reality, but he, something was said along the lines of, if you own it for two or three years, you can give it back to me, and I'll give you almost exactly what you paid for it, or something like what a BMW's trade in value would have been after three years. Was that just press release? Was that like just fluff? Do you remember th- hearing things along those lines? Yeah, I do, and, and it, it's still kind of true today. Uh, what they did is they pegged it to a couple different versions of the uh, of BMW and Mercedes, um, and you can actually go on the company's website um, and value your trade in for you know if you're going to trade in the Model S, you know for you know Model X or, or what or Model 3, or you just don't want it anymore. Um, so that, you know, it it keeps the value of, of the car from depreciating as fast as, say, you know, other cars that are out on the road. Um, and this was done to boost, you know, sales and, you know, get people interested in the car. So that that, that program still exists. Um, you can go right on the website and, and take a look at it and, you know, punch in some numbers, you know, based on mileage and year and things like that. Um, so, but that still exists for Tesla, and I suspect, you know, that'll probably continue to exist at least for the next year or two. Um, 
until you know we see the Model Three really take off, and then maybe Tesla winds up changing their minds. Um, but you know that 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 program still exists. Okay, I'm just throwing it out there because it always seems like um, Tesla always sounds too good to be true, and I, I think that's part of the marketing of the company and the car, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, they they tend to make some of these outrageous claims. Some of them come true, some of them come don't. Um, but when you're buying a Tesla, it's, you're not just buying a car. Um, at least from Tesla's standpoint, you're really buying a lifestyle. Um, and it's it's the same thing, sort of, you know, with iPhones or any other, um, you know, like a, a Louis Vuitton handbag or, um, you, you know, Manolo Blahnik shoes or anything that you know is high-end luxury items. You know, you're really buying a lifestyle. You're buying something that says something about you. And you know, not always all these claims come out to be true, but you know, the perception is reality. And especially in this case, you know, these companies have brand cachet, and, and Tesla still has brand cachet because it is a luxury automaker, at least for right now. Um, and it, you know, the Model S and the Model X are luxury vehicles, so you know, they're trying to present that air of sophistication. Um, you know, to the buyer. Um, so, you know, we'll see whether that continues in the future, but that's what Tesla has going for it right now. Okay. Changing topics ever so slightly. Um, Apple, they've gone down memory lane uh, with an iPhone that's not bigger, but it is faster and nicer. And it's a, it's a toss to somebody out there. Who wants the iPhone SE? Yeah, I was at the event on Monday in Cupertino and I think there's, you know, a few different buyers for for the iPhone SE. One is, you know, the 30 million or so people who haven't or who bought 4-inch iPhones last year. Um that's a number that came from Apple, which was a little bit surprising to me that uh, you know, that many people were still buying smaller phones. I know personally I have I still have my 5S. I haven't upgraded yet, and the SE is appealing to me just simply because I don't need you know, a plus size five and a half inch phone. I think that's too big. Um, but I think either the, the the new SC or you know a 6S, um, you know, are appealing to me. So there's still a, a market for four inch iPhones here in the U.S. And then you, when you look abroad, you know, you've got emerging markets like India and China where they're still buying you know Apple products pretty pretty at a pretty healthy clip, but they can't always afford the latest and greatest and pay up for the Apple brand. So when you start a phone at 399 compared to, you know, 649 or six, or, or seven, in the 700 dollars range, that's really attractive to those markets, and they can continue to grow sales in those regions. So I think you know those are your two primary buyers: the people who are buying, who still want a four-inch iPhone, and then people in countries like India and China. Now, Apple tried to come out with a cheaper, smaller phone a couple of years ago that had a plastic casing, and that was a flop. Uh, do you think just by staying with better ingredients, better materials, that that's, that'll be the difference? I do. I, I think that was a mistake um, with the 5C because people thought, you know, the C could stand for, you know, for cost-effective or China or, you know, any other, <laughs> you know, moniker that you want to put on it. But the SC has... Everything that has, the 5S has going for it, which was a really good phone, um, but it has upgraded internals, you know, things like Apple Pay, a faster chip, a better camera, um, better graphics, all things that you can find on, a, you know, the, the 6S and the 6S Plus. But, you know, for 
a few hundred dollars cheaper, and that, that's a big selling point to uh, um, to maintain that Apple brand cachet. You know, something that I talked about before. Um, Apple is a lifestyle company, and they don't want to be associated with selling products that are not the best. You know, they constantly talked about this being the best four-inch phone out there, and that wasn't something that we saw with the 5C, and that's why they wound up discontinuing it. Um, but I do think that the SE is a big step up um, from the, the previous way of, you know, kind of attacking the, the middle market. And, you know, we'll see whether consumers resonate or not, but I suspect they will. What's interesting to note is there was a big run-up in the shares of Apple 30 days before the 5SE comes out. Some people will attribute it that. So it's already a winner, even if it doesn't necessarily hit. They've got the, the share price back up with it. You know, I, I think that's a little bit short-sighted in the, in the sense that, um, yes, Apple shares have run up into the event, but they still need this product to be a hit. You know, they spent money, they spent time, money, and research and development on this, and they need this to boost iPhone sales. iPhone sales were basically flat last quarter, and with seven, almost 70% of revenues um, now for Apple being associated with the iPhone, they need these products to sell like hotcakes, because uh, ultimately that's what Apple shares are based off in the long term, is, you know, revenue and earnings growth. Um, so I think, you know, it really needs this product to be a winner and to help boost iPhone sales, because um, otherwise you're going to see the share price come back down, and then, you know, you'll have investors clamor for, you know, um, and, and start calling for Tim Cook's head again, which is something that, you know, is short-sighted, um, but unfortunately Wall Street tends to play the short game, um, whereas Apple likes to play the long game, so they really need this phone to be a big hit. Your final article that we're talking about, I'm speaking with Chris Siaccia. You can find him at thestreet.com. He's all over Twitter. Um, he's around. He's easily found. You can find him um, at street.com. But, Chris, you, you hinted at the overlooked tidbit was Apple's most important announcement on Monday. I love articles like that because I will open up. Was it, was it something on the TV? Is it something about music? What was the overlooked tidbit? You know, obviously, you know, the iPhone, the new iPad, and, you know, some of the watch accessories got the majority of the press. But Apple came out and sort of, you know, talked about their new care kit um, platform, which basically expands upon what they're doing in health. And what health, what, what care kit does is it allows you to input, you know, the type of care you're getting for whatever ailment you have, whether it's a certain type of medicine or treatment you're getting from your doctor or what have you. And you can input that into your phone and see if it's actually working. And then you can talk to your uh your doctors or your physicians or your nurses or what have you and adjust, you know, the course of treatment based on whether it's working or not. Apple's had really good success with ResearchKit, which allows medical researchers to aggregate data from your iPhone anonymously, assuming you choose to share it, um, for diseases like Parkinson's or epilepsy or diabetes. And they've had really good success with that. Um, they said one of the uh, studies that were done on Parkinson's was one of the largest in history, and that's all thanks to the availability of the iPhone. And they take research kit and expand it, you know, into personal care. And Apple's really kind of focusing on not just being a tech company, but being a health tech company as well. And, and I think that's where you're going to see Apple push, you know, more into the future. You know, they mentioned, you know, 
Apple Watch potentially, you know, calling 911 if you have a heart attack. So I think that's one of the most important takeaways from the event was not, you know, just a new iPhone or new iPad, but the fact that Apple's really caring about your health. Um, and this is something that's going to affect society more than just, you know, selling an extra few iPhones or iPads. It's a good pitch because we're all wanting to live as long as we can. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia, the tech editor for TheStreet.com. It's the tech editor for TheStreet.com. Find him, obviously, at TheStreet.com.